Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. All my life, I've had my family and friends try to give me words of wisdom, words of caution, I know it's for the best, but I will be honest when I say that something within me likes to rebel a little bit when people try to tell me things for my own good, which is why we're doing this particular podcast today. As children, we are given many cautionary phrases to ensure our safety. Don't talk to strangers. Always lock the door. Never travel alone. Be home before dark. As well-meaning and sound as those warnings are, like with the characters in today's stories, within each of us is the need to answer that burning question, why not? First, we're told to never respond when called at night. Next, we're instructed to never crash a house party. After that, we're told to take the long way and never take the shortcut. And finally, we're begged to never respond to the voices that whisper to us. We receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then, I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Never respond. The phases of the moon are looked at as signs of renewal and transformations. We know that in the full moon, we should beware the werewolf bite. But did you know in some places when the moon goes dark, wandering entities hunt living vessels. They're looking for a final resting place and they will get there by any means necessary. There's an old Bengali folktale that offers a warning for those traveling at night on a dark moon. If you suddenly hear someone call your name from the darkness, never respond, for the night spirits roam ready to prey on the living. Even in the city, the legend of the Nishi still had a presence, 
an odd warning that Elena's superstitious parents had instilled in her since childhood. Nishis were night spirits of the dead. They didn't get proper burial rituals to pass onto the next plane, so they remained trapped in our world to hunt the living at night as passage out of this realm by the death of another. Embodied as a night shadow, they'd mimic the voices of loved ones to lure the unsuspecting during the dark moon, but they'd only take one victim. On those nights, parents cautioned their children to not pass through certain areas. These warnings were very far from Elena's mind on the evening she met up with her friend Kamala. They were attending another friend's party. Since neither of them were old enough to drive, they had to ride their bicycles. Though they usually didn't ride their bikes at dusk, they figured sticking to main downtown roads would be safe. But Kamala showed up late. She suggested they take a shortcut through Dhaka Airport Road. Elena's bike tire screeched. No way, she protested, looking up at the moonless sky. What about the disappearances? Sighing, Kamala said, there's always someone saying, beware the Nishi on Dhaka Airport Road. Haven't you seen the videos that say it's a hoax? It's just our parents trying to scare us, like their parents scared them from biking at night. Begrudgingly, Elena agreed, as she knew it would shave off 30 minutes. They cut through the bustling traffic to the grimy side street. Elena felt something was off as soon as they entered the industrial alleyway. They'd been down it dozens of times before during the day, but it took an eerie life at night. She kept having the feeling that someone was watching them. As they pedaled through, the whistle of wind from biking gradually got clearer and clearer, as if the sound was whispering to her. Elena, over and over. Do you hear that? Kamala asked, biking beside her. I do, and we gotta get out of here. Elena responded as the murmur started to sound like her mother's voice. Quickly, she began to accelerate, clamping her teeth together as she rode and forcing herself not to answer. She began to recall her parents' warnings about the Nishi. Never respond. Under any circumstances, never respond. Suddenly, Kamala shouted for her mother. No, Kamala, it's not her! Elena shouted, squinting to try and catch a glimpse of her friend who was right beside her. She immediately knew the Nishi was on their tail. Kamala quickly turned her head back, slowing down with a gasp, and jumped off her bike out of Elena's view. The sound of Kamala's empty bicycle crashing against metal grates in the alley. Fear shot through Elena. The Nishi had grabbed her friend. From the corner of her eye, she thought she saw a darkness leech onto Kamala, dragging her behind the trash container. Horrified, she lost control of her bike and spun out, thrown to the ground, hitting her head. Elena, are you okay? Kamala's muffled voice drifted in through the ringing in her ears. I'm so sorry, I thought it would be funny to prank you. Groaning, Elena touched her head. There was blood slowly opening her eyes to see her mother's hand reaching out to help her up. Mom? Elena asked, confused. Elena, take my hand, her mother's voice beckoned. As she reached out, darkness whipped around Elena's hand like vines, and she looked up to see her mother's face morph into a grotesque entity that pulled her close, squeezing the life out of her. Elena struggled, losing consciousness. From the corner of her eye, she saw Kamala peeking out from behind the trash container, covering her mouth, a look of horror in her eyes. Elena struggled to speak her final words, reminding her friend, never respond. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. College parties, house parties, theme parties. They're enticing and some would say filled with debauchery and danger. Either way, they're unforgettable. Like in this story inspired by this creepypasta from Reddit user Darkness Itself. Shay sipped on a drink as she stood against the wall, her party store cat mask securely covering her face. She didn't want to be recognized crashing this swanky masquerade house party. She was still a high schooler, and someone would definitely tattle to her older cousin Lionel about her being here. Earlier in the night, his ex, Kiki, had almost recognized her voice before her new BF had whisked her away. It had been a close call. Trying to appear at ease, Shay strayed further into the main room. It was filled with people wearing lavish masquerade attire, and then some others who stuck out like her, wearing cheap plastic animal masks. Who are you with, kitty cat? A deep voice suddenly said into her ear. Shay jumped back looking up at the tall man wearing a face-covering plastic fox mask. I'm here with Kiki, but I haven't seen her in a bit. Shay lied, alarmed. Oh, Kiki, huh? He asked, stepping into Shay's personal space. Giving him a look from behind her mask, she stepped back. At that, he chuckled and stepped into her space again. His expressionless fox mask peered down at her. I know where she is. The three of us could have some fun, he purred. At that, Shay pointedly excused herself and moved through the bustle to the pool area. The DJ was energetically spinning and everyone was dancing under the moonlit sky. This is more like it, she thought, getting into the groove. But then, the music was abruptly cut off. As a man in a plastic rooster mask took the stage with a mic... And now, everyone, the fun will really begin. We present you with a magic trick. People started booing, and Shay could see the DJ arguing with two other figures in masks. Suddenly, there was a large splash as something hurtled from the roof into the pool. Shocked, everyone looked in. It was a bundle of comforters wrapped in chains sinking to the bottom. Was this some kind of weird joke? Laughing chants of, escape, 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 rose. 
Shay looked around and saw the chants were only coming from the plastic-masked figures, the rooster, some wolves, pigs, and the fox. There's a person in there, someone shouted. Horrified, Shay whipped her gaze back to the underwater bundle. It was jerking and thrashing. Frantic bubbles rose to the surface. All hell broke loose. Some people jumped into the pool. Others started running for the house, their beautiful attire catching and ripping on the doors. Shay hurried along the edges of the crowd. In the kitchen, she passed some horse-masked people, brandishing knives, yanking phones out of people's hands, lining guests along the walls. Other masked figures were blocking the doors. With no way out, she made her way up the stairs and slipped into a nearby closet. But she wasn't alone. Next to her was a muffled scream. Using her cell phone, she illuminated the small space to find Kiki, gagged and bound. Ripping away her cat mask, she assured her, I'm not one of them. It's me. Look, it's Shay. Pulling Kiki's gag off, she loudly gasped, Call the put. Shay covered her mouth with her hand. Just then, the floorboards of the stairs creaked outside. Someone was nearby. Mascara tracks streaked Kiki's face. Pressing her mouth against Shay's ear, she haggardly whispered, Text Lionel to call the cops. Shay rapidly texted Lionel while Kiki continued, Strangers and animal masks invaded the house party. They tied me up in here and grabbed Johnny, saying something about a magic trick. Shay realized who had been wrapped in chains at the bottom of the pool. Within seconds of texting, Shay's ringtone went off. Frantically hitting the screen, she mistakenly answered it. Lionel's voice boomed. Shay, what the hell is going on? The closet door slammed open. Her phone was snatched from her hand. It was the man in the fox mask. I see you, he cooed at Shay. Yanked out of the closet and into the arms of two other masked men, Shay and Kiki were dragged down to the basement where a few others were being held captive. At their arrival, the people in the basement launched themselves at the masked men. Fox masks tore loose and sprinted back up the stairs, shouting, Down here, brothers! The DJ turned to Shay. Quick, you're small enough to climb out the basement window. Together, they got the window open just enough for Shay to squeeze through and make a break for it. I see you, Fox Mass called from the front door, giving chase when Shay ran across the front yard. Her breath burned in her throat as she sprinted toward the street, searching for any help. Just then, the glare of bright headlights blinded her and a screech of brakes filled the air. Narrowly missing her with his police squad car, her cousin Lionel yelled out the window, Get in! More squad cars careened around the corner, painting them in blue and red lights. Shay watched as her tormentor, Fox Mask, jumped over the fence trying to escape. I see you! Shay shouted out the passenger window, pointing the cops toward the neighboring home. She watched as officers spotted him, dragging him from his hiding place, tackling him on the ground. I will be completely honest. Um, home invasion stories are very disconcerting. And this particular creepypasta uh, written by Darkness itself is particularly disturbing. Um, 
I mean, because I know that I've crashed many a party. You hear about a party from someone else and of course you just go. But if it's gonna end up a situation like this, then I think I'm gonna think twice next time. Exploring new places can be fun, but we're told to avoid going where you aren't invited for good reason. Like in this story, inspired by Martin. I wish someone had told me before, so I'll tell you now. Never take shortcuts. My best friend Martin and I went to Ibiza for a week to party at a music festival in Oswea. All too soon, it got very late. We were very drunk and had the bright idea of walking back to our hotel in Playa Sol. We were walking the streets in circles when Martin stopped, laughed, and pointed through a tall garden fence. On the other side in the distance, we could see what looked like the back of the hotel building. So we had a choice. We could either follow the streets around or hop the fence in front of us. Without thinking at all, we climbed the fence. Martin managed it just fine. I fell and twisted my ankle. Helping me up, Martin winced in sympathy as I tried to put weight on it. It was throbbing and already starting to swell. I did my best with it when my friend gasped, what the, and I looked up. There was no garden on the other side of this fence, only tombstones, memorials, names and dates carved into walls all around us. It was an outdoor mausoleum. We stood between the walls of the resting dead. Moving as quickly as possible on my ankle, we headed toward the lights of the hotel. The travel blog never said anything about a cemetery across the way. I felt bad being here as we neared the bottom of the hill. Near us stood a small chapel, decaying as if it had slid and sunk into the ground. As we headed up the hill, Martin paused to take pictures of the ruined chapel. It looks so haunted, he giggled. You're disrespecting the dead. Let's go. Martin's drunken giggles burst into laughter. Oh no, we shouldn't anger the dead. I turned back to shush him when I saw something had changed. The chapel doors were open behind him and two hooded figures were standing there, looking at us. Stepping out of the darkness, they were then joined by two more figures, then two more, then more, all of them staring at us. The tension thickened as the night seemed to hold its breath. Martin grabbed my hand. Hey, um, sorry, he called out. We went the wrong way. We're leaving and pulled me toward the gate at the top of the hill. A deep, rhythmic chanting began behind us. Looking over my shoulder, I saw them. They started striding towards us, chanting louder. We ran for the gate. Grasping my waist, Martin helped me squeeze through the bars, then threw his bigger frame over the top of it. We met on the other side, running as fast as we could. Footsteps chased behind us. We didn't look back. Tearing across the dingy, dark street, I fell. Martin bodily lifted me up to the sidewalk, connecting to our quiet hotel. I took in a great breath to yell for help as Martin whirled around, raising his fists, confronting nothing. 
nobody was there. No footsteps, no robed figures. We glanced in every direction, but there was nothing. They were gone. Lunging toward the revolving glass door of the lobby, Martin nudged me and first, cocooned between the glass panes, I heard him say my name. Looking back, I watched as he was yanked back into the darkness, hooded figures swarming over him. The last of him I saw were his Nikes as he was being dragged away into the night. Shouting for help, for anybody, I spilled into the lobby. The concierge rushed over, pulling at him. I pointed outside, save him, he's been taken. Days went by, but they never found a trace of my friend Martin or the mysterious cult I described. There was no sign of either of them in that shortcut we took through the cemetery. Thank you so much, Martin, for sharing this story with us. I know that personally, I really enjoy exploring the ruins of places. I stay away from hospitals or cemeteries, but a church, I know that I would be guilty of trying to explore that myself. As for the cult, the only thing I can think of is that, is it possible that the authorities were involved with this? How did they not find any trace of him? It's something to ponder. Father knows best. As children, we're taught to never question our elders. They're the guiding hand through our early years into adulthood, and they know all are, so we're told to think. As inspired by this creepy pasta by Edwin Crow. I've been blind since birth. As I grew up, everything was described to me in vivid detail by my father. We lived in a single-floor ranch house, that's what father told me. I had spatial awareness. I knew where my bedroom was, the bathroom, living room, kitchen. I would rarely fall over. Only a father or one of the visitors put something where it shouldn't be. It was usually the visitors and father would shout. They visited infrequently and only briefly when they did. Father said I shouldn't speak to them, that it unsettled him. Ellie was the first visitor I could remember. She seemed very sweet. She asked me my name, and we both realized we were the same age, eight years old. We could be classmates, she said. I explained that father homeschooled me, but I was glad she was visiting. I don't know where I am. I'm scared. I went to my father and told him my new friend Ellie was scared. Solemn, he asked me to stop talking to the voice I heard. I asked him why, and he just hugged me very tightly. Please, just stop. For me, son, please. As I got older and voices would float in and out, he finally decided to tell me the truth. There's no one there when you hear them. Our home is built on the grounds of an orphanage that burned down. Sometimes, the spirits of dead children linger. He explained that because I couldn't see, I was able to tune into them, that they knew I was listening when others wouldn't. He said I had to ignore it if it happened again. Alex appeared to me a few years later. She told me she was in so much pain and was so hungry. 
I told her I wasn't allowed to speak to her. Still, she pleaded for help. As much as I wished I could help her, I knew she wasn't real. I covered my ears from her cries until she finally left me alone. The spirit stopped bothering me after that, for a very long time. That was until Sarah. Sarah didn't give me a chance to be quiet. I was on my own, sitting in the living room and listening to the TV. Help, she said. I need to find a way out. I stayed silent. You can hear me, can't you? My father said I'm not allowed to speak to you, I told her. He's dead. I didn't answer. Your father is dead. The shelves began to shake. Stop it, father. Father! I shouted around the house and found my way to the front door. Please help me leave, Sarah demanded, and this time grabbed me. Grabbing my keys, I opened the door and raced out into the open air. Let me out, let me out, she screamed. I ran from her through our long front yard to the gate, shouting for help. It felt like forever until finally someone responded. It was a woman. I told her I lived here, but I was blind and I couldn't find my father. I had no idea. He had a son? What happened to your face? She touched the bandage around my eyes. Later on, there were sirens and news reports. Fourteen bodies were found within the home. Along with the body of the killer, two survivors were found, two children. The killer's son and the missing girl, Sarah Frank. She was found with her feet bound. She managed to get her hands free and killed her captor with a pair of scissors. I came to in the hospital. My bandages were gone and the room was filled with something new. Bright, bright light instead of total darkness. It turns out that I was never blind. Father had bound my eyes since birth to keep me from seeing his atrocities. I didn't want to believe this about my father. I couldn't until I learned the names of some of his victims. Two of them stuck out. Ellie Farmer and Alex Riddle. I'd spoken to them both in the living room. To this day, I wonder if my father had been honest with me about a single thing in his life. Throughout it all, one question remains above all others. Did I speak to Ellie and Alex before or after he killed them? This week's podcast stories were edited by James Carter II, Marquia McCarty, and Sabina Graves. Audio edited by Johnny Ashley and Fitz Harris. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Music by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.